What Should I Think About is a podcast with me, Celine, and my dad, Stephen. We talk about burning issues in media, politics, and science. Hello, and welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. I'm Celine. I'm Stephen. And we're continuing on with where we just left off um, about dad's life journey. Um, we've done Christmas past. We're now sort of on to... No, no we're, we're still, still on past. Christmas past. Yeah. We'll never go to Christmas future. I'm just going to throw that out there. We've got two times Christmas past and then I Christmas think, I like present. the idea of the analogy, but it doesn't quite work. No, but I like it even more <laughs> that it doesn't work. So yeah. two times Christmas past and one of present. present. Yeah. Okay. So where are we up to? So... <laughs> Basically, we just got up to you saying um, you'd been baptised. You were like, right, now what? Yeah, so I got baptised. Um, obviously still had the doubts, but really wanted to push those doubts as deep as possible so that I could get on with my life as being a Jehovah's Witness. And there was lots for me to do. Um, so I was I was very keen to um, to do as much as I could. Um, I didn't like the knocking on doors bit of no. being a Jehovah's Witness, but everything else I actually quite enjoyed. Were you still at school or were you working now? Um, so at 16, I left school. You weren't encouraged to do um, further or higher education. In fact, it was a real no-no. Um, sometimes people did it, but it was frowned upon. Um, but certainly the message coming from the magazines or from the, the meetings, from the assemblies particularly, so that comes straight from the governing body who, who are like the leaders, was don't waste your time um, going to university or doing sixth form because this world is going to end soon. You know, why, why have a career in this world? There's absolutely no point. You're wasting your life if you do that. Uh, what you should be doing is pioneering, which means spending full time knocking on doors trying to convert people um witnessing and obviously you need to earn a living so get a part-time job so i kind of did a bit of a halfway house really um the advice i have to say that i was getting was think about your future as well so instead of going to sixth form i got a full-time job um, because I did have this message of looking after yourself, taking care of yourself and being responsible. So I took a full-time job and I did that for about four and a half years as a screen printer. Um, and I actually quite enjoyed that job, but I always felt that I, again, I felt guilty for doing the job mm. because I knew what, what I should be doing was pioneering. So I spent four and a half years doing the job. I learned how to do that trade. I was quite good at it. I really enjoyed it. I got on well at work. I was promoted quite quickly and, and I, I had my own hand bench where I produced all the stuff and it was it was a good job. And uh, But I kept hearing assemblies and so on telling me that I should be pioneering. So pioneering is spending, was in those days, spending 90 hours a month it's reduced now but in those days it was 90 hours a month um doing the preaching work so that could include knocking on doors doing return visits going back to see people who have been interested and doing bible studies which is where you sit for an hour or so 
going through uh, sort of similar to the Watchtower thing that I mentioned last week, which was read a paragraph. What do you think that paragraph said? Yeah, Yeah. and the the answers are there, so you just have to rehash them. So I would do that as well, and so I'd spend 90 hours. So eventually I I decided that I needed to um, leave that good job I had, and I bought a window cleaning round with a friend, another Jehovah's Witness friend, and so it's we... like someone selling off their customers or something. Yeah, so you could buy window cleaning rounds. I think you still can. It's a business mm. after all. So yeah. um, if you have a, a going business, you can sell it as a business. So you essentially sell your customers. You sell your mm. book with all your customers in it. And generally customers are fine with that. They just want their windows cleaning. Yeah. So we bought a round from a guy. Um, and yeah, we did that part time. Two days a week, we then window cleaned, and then for the rest of the week, we would spend it knocking on doors and pioneering. So I'd left my job and basically became a a window cleaner and a full time preacher. And did you like doing that? I thought this is the side of it you didn't like, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really like um, knocking on doors. Um, I didn't mind the Bible studies bit, but I didn't like. I hated the idea of knocking on somebody's door out of the blue and expecting them to engage with what I wanted to talk about which was you know the end of the world religion mm. um, I just didn't like it I, I believed the importance of it I understood why we did it and I knew that it was something that I should do but I just found it really really difficult so it was incredibly uncomfortable as I guess most people can imagine just going up to somebody's house knocking on their door and saying something like you know have you ever wondered what the Bible says about wickedness? You know, <laughs> <laughs> what a bizarre thing to do. <laughs> it's just, I just love the one-liners. They yeah. are brilliant. Well, it was normally trying to ask a question, you know. So some would have a pattern which would go on quite a long time, but I always was quite keen on just asking a question that would get somebody interested. I don't know. It's just like, imagine if it, oh, you you know, um, they're like honest trailers on yeah. youtube what if you did honest jw door knockings <laughs> it's just like um did you know that we're we're really anti-gay <laughs> yeah it sounds fun to you or like just like yeah we're talking to our neighbors to let them know that they're going to die very shortly mm. at armageddon and you're going to be one of those people because you're wicked let me show you some pictures <laughs> yeah we're... oh god yeah do you want to be the man of the house <laughs> You can now. Yeah, um, yeah. If you're speaking to a woman, would you like to be part of the religion, which means that you're not allowed to actually make any decisions in the house, um, because unless the man agrees. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so you don't do that. You're not no. honest. What, you, you don't. You don't ask them if they'd like their children to sit alone during no, assembly. No, absolutely not. Uh, would you like to have a miserable Christmas while everybody else is having fun? Mm. Uh, no, you don't do any of that up front. It's all. Would you like to live in a paradise? Would you like to live in a world where there's no fear? You know, mm. those sorts of things. So, yeah, we, we I did all those things, trudged around. I mean, I walked around an area of Peterborough. I keep meaning to do... Um, a walking I might, tour. I might do it in the summer. Um, one of the, the features we did last year was this bike and psych, where I'd go on my bike and I'd talk about psychology and some of the theories whilst I'm on my bike. And um, 
had my little GoPro and it was quite cool. I might do one of those next year and go round where I used to, mm-hmm. to my patch, if you like. Yeah. And I've knocked on those doors, feels like hundreds of times, it's probably not. But I've pounded those streets hundreds of times. Going from door to door, knocking on doors, getting you, a no. You didn't get anyone, did you? No. I mean, to be honest with you, when you're pioneering... Um, It'd be different now. Obviously, you can't at the moment with the COVID thing. You can't go out. It'd be the spreaders of the plague. Yeah. But um, but back when I was doing it, of course, everybody's out at work. Mm. So there's nobody in. So basically, you're knocking on doors and there's nobody in. So in those days, you'd do not at homes. So you'd, you'd record everybody who's not at home. And then you'd go back and you'd try and call again another time. But you'd call another time during the day when everybody was at work. Did so, you ever knock at a more like opportune time? Well, that was that was encouraged. So one of the times you could go was perhaps early morning, so maybe eight o'clock. Oh, when everyone's trying to get ready to go time. to exactly. work. So you know that was encouraged. They'd I didn't like, fancy that. <laughs> yeah, as people just like literally like taking their drying children, their hair or something. Yeah, taking their children out like. Yeah. Oh dear. So that wasn't a great idea. The other one was evening witnessing, which I did a bit of that in the winter. That was horrible. I mean, we used to do that sometimes. We'd meet on a. Uh, choose a Wednesday evening something like that mm. and um, it'd be evening work and as it's getting dark you know you're walking around estates some of them pretty rough and you'd be knocking on doors um, and it's cold and they're letting all the cold air in and it's dark um, and you'd be talking about the bible you know and again often the people would be having their tea you've not planned to go around have you <laughs> or settling down to watch some TV or something after a hard day's yeah. work. There's never an opportune time for the witnesses no. to knock on your door. Everyone's like, I'm just living my life and you've just come round and you're bummed out that I don't want to talk to you. Yeah, it's just, um, I mean, now and again people would be rude, but to be fair, in my experience, most people were incredibly polite, which mm. says a lot for the British public, really. Just like, oh, no, thank you. Yeah, not interested, thank you. I mean, they wouldn't give you much time of day, but. Now and again, somebody would get angry with you mm. or annoyed, but um, but yeah, so that that was that was what I did full time, ninety hours a month, um, and then the other two days was window cleaning, which I also hated. Mm. It was such a boring, horrible job, carrying ladders around because in those days there wasn't the the fancy poles you get now. You literally had to go up ladders, so I was up and down ladders all day. I worked with my pioneer partners they call it who um who yeah we took turns on who would do the upstairs um i mean he was a bit more keen than i was i i really hated the job mm. and then you had to go collecting the money that was an evening job as well that was friday evening i'd normally go around and collect the money mm-hmm. um so winter cleaning was I mean, total dead end, isn't it? I mean, what can you do? Well, you no, only clean the windows. There's no development from that. It, it, that is your job. And what really matters is the ministry. So it is just a means to earn a living. And you can, you could earn a decent living. But for me, it just, just held just lots of boredom and frustration. And I hated it. Absolutely hated mm. it. So, yeah, I was pretty miserable. I was living a life where I was spending most of it doing things I really hated. Did you um, do anything that you liked? Because otherwise, I suppose people might be like, well, why yeah. did you stay 
at all if you didn't really believe it and you weren't getting any satisfaction from it yeah for why though it's a good damn good question actually mm. um and it's one that i ask myself a lot and i, I kick myself about if i'm honest i think mm. i'm so I, and I've, i'm less angry with myself now but i i was very very angry with myself when i left that i'd wasted so much time and the age from sort of 16 to your late 20s that's kind of your your golden age if you like that's the time when you really should be getting your career off the ground or you know touring just the world having or fun having fun or you know but i didn't do any of that and i just feel like i wasted that most important time of my life so i i have been quite angry about that um over the years um what did I enjoy? I enjoyed giving talks. So as a as a male, I was allowed to give talks. So over the years, quite quickly really, I progressed to giving items on the service meeting. Um, I became a ministerial servant. But it's if you're not familiar with the terminology, the ministerial servants are the, are the men that do the kind of legwork, if you like. The elders are the teachers and the the leaders of the the congregation although they wouldn't call themselves leaders but they are um whereas the ministerial servants are the people that like look after the accounts and look after the sound system and make sure that the territory is organized properly so it's it's all the kind of more menial tasks i suppose but you're also potentially an elder in in waiting so you're being trained up at that point to do things that an elder would do so that includes things like giving talks um, even giving public talks, so I was given the um, opportunity to give hour-long talks, both in my own congregation and to go to other congregations, because I was quite good at giving talks, and um, I really enjoyed that. That was something that I I loved doing, and it's kind of stayed with me because I'm I'm now a trainer, um, and I I so I, I do that for a living now, really. So I guess if there's anything that I can take from it. What I learned during those years is the bit that I do take from it. I mm. learned how to talk in front of people, how to put a, an outline together, how to keep people interested. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was that's the good bit I got from it, I suppose. Yeah. So, yeah, I did enjoy that. The other thing I really enjoyed is quick builds. Yeah. So what's a quick build? Quick build. So we were involved in building projects so one of the big things that jehovah's witnesses were doing during that time was building halls and they um sort of adapted a style from america which was to build halls in very quick time um and there's a sort of specific set of techniques that you use in order to do that basically before you come onto site you the local brothers would do the slab which is like the foundations and the concrete floor so as long as you had the slab then you could get a team or multiple teams of quick builders who were all jehovah's witnesses um representing all the different trades plumbers electricians brick um bricklayers roofers everybody and you'd all descend on this place for a, a couple of days for a weekend long weekend generally and you would literally build the hall from start to finish, mm. at least on the slab, over a weekend. And I was part of the plumbing team. I wasn't a plumber, but I learned how to do 
things like pipe fitting and hanging radiators and stuff like that um, as part of the team. Um, and that was a great crack. That was mm. great fun because we were a bunch of young lads going off to do a to do a kind of fun job. And so I enjoyed that. But I mean, ultimately, it was free labour yeah. for the Jehovah's Witnesses. They got builders in essentially for nothing. Mm. Um, so, of course, and that, those buildings now are worth you know hundreds of thousands of pounds and a lot of them are being sold mm. in peterborough there's one that i was heavily involved in um because i was involved in the original bit of work as well laying of the slab before the quit bill got there so i spent weekends there weeks and weeks and weeks even spent nights there as a blooming night watchman to stop mm. people coming on and nicking some of the building stuff um yeah, so but I did enjoy that side of it, I must admit. Now mm. I realise I was exploited, but I did enjoy it, mm. and I'm kind of proud of what we did yeah. there. Well, about like, I mean, you've said to me before, I don't know if you just forgot, but you said you liked the community. <laughs> yeah, the, the community, um, I mean, it's all I knew, really. So that's the only community I had. There was things that I really did like. We used to play football Mm -hmm. as a group every... So after the meeting on a Sunday afternoon, um, in the evening, uh, a bunch of the brothers would go down to the local park or five-a-side pitch and we'd we'd all have a game of football together, which was, yeah, live for that, really. Especially as a young teenager, that was what I lived for. I loved that football. That was was great. Um, Yeah, the, the... Parts of the community were important. There was, obviously, I had friends. Um, yeah. But it is all conditional love in, in the respect that as soon as I left, they drop you like a stone. No, obviously, no, I know. But, yes, at the time, obviously, I had friends. I had people that, that I associated with. Mm-hmm. I spent most of my time with my family, but, um, but yeah. Yeah, obviously in the way that community is kind of like, we don't really have those kind of communities much anymore, do we? (laughs) Just interrupting the middle of the podcast here because I want you to remember that you need to tell a friend about this podcast so that we can keep making cool stuff and you can talk about it with your friends because it's more fun if we're all getting involved. So tell a friend, share it, text them about it, get involved. Back to the podcast then. We don't really have like the village gets together and does things, do we? Mm. Like it kind of brought back or continued that legacy that obviously you wouldn't be able to. You can make new friends and do that, but it wouldn't be that. No, I think I think I did enjoy the community, but I would say that it it felt very restrictive. Yeah, because there was so much you couldn't do, mm-hmm. or so much that again, again, there's an element here of of me as a person. Um, sticking to the letter of, of the rules I suppose um, so some of them the young ones would go to town maybe and to, to go to bars and stuff like that with with groups and I didn't do that because I again I listened to the the um, the elders and the, the meetings that were saying you know you shouldn't be doing things like that but others would do that so I didn't I didn't get to associate with them even doing those things, which later in my life I would really enjoy, you know, love doing. But so I didn't go out to bars or pubs or clubs or anything like that, where some of the young ones would would do that. 
So I felt quite isolated in that respect. So I was, it's kind of worst of all worlds, really. I was trying to stick to the letter of what I should be doing because I knew that was the right thing to do. Um, but that isolated me from my peers to some degree. Even those in quite good standing within the organisation, they were doing those things and I knew they shouldn't be doing them and I wasn't doing them. So, yeah, it was, um, I felt quite isolated from my peers um, because of that, actually. Yeah. Um, I was safe playing football. Um, although even now and again, there was things talked about that, you know. So it, was, it didn't matter what you did. You always felt elements of guilt about it, mm. which, again, keep going back to this feeling of guilt and fear. And, you know, it, was, it always they always wanted you to do things that were theocratic, you know. So, yeah, OK, you can you can play football, but, you know, don't be too competitive. Don't hurt anybody. Don't get hurt because that will stop you serving Jehovah or stop you going to work or um and actually, wouldn't it be better to, you know, maybe get together and do some some talks about experiences? So a, a, a Jehovah's Witness um, party, mm-hmm. I say with inverted commas, mm-hmm. would often involve like getting a mixture. Don't just have young people there. Also have elderly people and older people so that they can tell you about their experiences in the truth. And um, And, you know, you'd have a... A buffet, and then you might do like a Bible game or something where you might do a charades based on the Bible. Oh, um, yay. it's just, it's just absolutely so lame. <laughs> it's really lame. Yeah, so that was a sort. It's of very thing. Flanders, isn't it? <laughs> Indeedly, doodly. Yeah, so it was, it was dreadful, dreadful. Mm. Music was the other thing, of course. I was interested in in music. I learned to play the guitar a little bit, and um, we did have a group of um, young Italians actually in the congregation who came in, who were a band. Um, so there was the drummer, there was the singer, the saxophonist, and they all came in at the same time as as a kind of en masse, and they became witnesses. But of course, they still played played and they would get together sometimes and I'd I'd join in and I'd I'd sort of as a bit of a groupie I suppose um they do um they do performances at weddings so they're sometimes asked to do a wedding and they'd get to play there and I I actually got involved in and I did a song on a couple of weddings mm-hmm. which I enjoyed doing I think it was terrible now I think back but I I enjoyed it and I got I got cheers, but I don't know what they were cheering for. But I enjoyed it at the time. And um, so that was an outlet. Um, but again, you couldn't take it anywhere because you couldn't start booking dates to play. There's often be... There's quite a lot of ex-musicians in the congregation and they, now and again, one or two of them would, would do a gig. It's often a bit frowned upon. It wasn't the sort of thing that was encouraged... Um, so it's quite problematic. You, you just couldn't have any kind of outlet where it took you away from doing the work. Mm. It always had to be about the work or about building you up spiritually. So something like, you know, becoming a professional footballer or becoming a musician or that was, forget that. Yeah. You know, even if it was, 
you know, doing some gigs on the weekend. Well, you know, is it going to stop you from going on the ministry on a Saturday I think, morning? You know? I think they were all right with singing and stuff because you sang hymns. So, like, Grandma would say to me when I did go, like, oh, I heard you singing the hymns. Very yeah. nice. Because, like, me and you Well, can the both... Kingdom Melodies, they're not called hymns. Oh, whatever. <laughs> hymns. <laughs> God songs. Kingdom songs. God songs. Religious yeah. songs. I'm only pulling you up on that because anybody listening that is a Jehovah's Witness will go, hymns? What are they talking about? Hymns. So they were not called hymns. They were called kingdom songs or kingdom melodies. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's singing as part of worship, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like that that yeah. was okay, but I guess if you took it further, further. Yeah, you couldn't... Whole... I mean, performance as well. You think about a performance, at like a rock gig or something. There's mm. lots of showing off lots of strutting around oh, oh no you can't do that you know that's I bet Queen was bad bad oh crumbs. bad bad not for good for lots of reasons um, and of course you know women were supposed to be chased chased with the T not a D so which no, means that, that they weren't supposed to do anything that would be sexually provocative or be seen as that so you know a woman selling on stage strutting her stuff was absolutely out of the question i mean she might be allowed to sing but um but yeah it's all very very restrictive and very very hard to to sort of enjoy anything to any degree so you felt constantly um restricted and constantly worried about doing anything that would be considered to be worldly so there's a term worldly i'm worldly apparently yeah so worldly people are people who are in the world so we should be no part of the world Mm. um which means that anything that the world does we need to sort of stay away from so things like going to rock concerts and so on whilst it was tolerated again um it was often looked down upon um certainly not playing or, or being a band member or something like that although there were exceptions because there always are you know so there are some uh, musicians who are jehovah's witnesses apparently but apparently but i imagine mm. that they probably were their career first and then they've entered uh, yes, and so on that's right. um next thing um is so obviously you meet mum at some point yeah now wife so I was, by this time I'm in my mid-twenties, so I'm living my life as a ministerial servant, I'm doing quit builds. Yeah, you're only 22, I think, when you meet mum, aren't you? Am I? Yeah, well, she was 18, so that must okay. make you 22. Okay, early 20s. So quite then. wee, really. Quite a young lad. Um, but yeah, ministerial servant, giving talks, various different places. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also the... Uh, second school uh, ministry school overseer so I'll need to explain what all that is so in the um, they don't do this now apparently but when I was growing up which was probably the only good thing about it was they had this what they called the ministry school which was essentially um, where you learned how to speak um, as a speaker if you like Mm. preacher teacher and um, so the brothers would do things like give Bible readings or have a little talk that they would, the number five talk. What? <laughs> if you're an ex-witness, you'll know what that means. The, I num- the number five talk was like a little mini outline that you'd write and you'd have some scriptures that you had to put in there. And so you'd, you'd design a little, cor- a, a little 
like a course really but a little um talk for mm-hmm. five minutes um and um and then what you'd get is after you'd done the talk the uh ministry school overseer would say they would give you counsel from the platform mm-hmm. so they'd say Okay, Brother Matthew, that was a really interesting talk. Thank you very much. Um, now, what you were working on this week, and you'd have a list of things you were working on, and um, things Not like feedback. punctuation, or um, repetition for emphasis, or use of outline. These were all kind of speaking qualities or points. Use of gestures, illustrations, and so on. And they'd, they'd mark you on how well you did that. And there were, you either got a good, which was mm. a G, Mm. or you got a W which was a work on this point yeah they never put bad that's the thing like no. at school they'd, ne- they'd never no. go like awful we did we did what went well and even better if yeah exactly so this was a W if you didn't quite um, get up to whatever standard the, the overseer thought you should be up to I mean this was purely subjective um, but anyway so and once you got a W you couldn't go straight to a G mm. so the next time you did a talk You'd have to work on that point again. So let's say gestures. You didn't really... Brother Matha, I think you could have done more gestures. There's some examples here where you could have, you know, for emphasis, you could have done this or to describe something, you could use your hands to do that. So I'd like to work on that point next time, please, Brother Matha. Mm-hmm. So the next time you had a, um, a talk to do, then they would, he would say, uh, okay, Brother Matha, you were working on uh, gestures so this time I really saw you improve in the area and you did this and you did that so I'm going to let you move on um, oh sorry no you didn't move on to the next point so we'll see have a look at that again mm. so you get an I which stood for improved and then you'd get to do it again and finally if you were good at that you'd get a G so it's spelt wig mm. so you got to work on and improved and a good but some some brothers got stuck on certain subjects forever <laughs> like www <laughs> Um, so yeah um, and my job when I got to be a minister or servant was uh, we split off into two schools so we'd have the, the main school which was the, the main auditorium but there'd be a second school so that'd be a smaller room where you'd, we'd go off and we'd do the same thing but in the smaller room and I was the overseer for that even as a ministerial servant in my early 20s I was counselling brothers and sisters who did a slightly different thing because they weren't allowed to stand up and do a talk but they could do like a demonstration with each other um, but I'd be counselling them saying right sister such and such I'd like you to work on this area and some of these guys you know, some of them were like in the 60s and 70s you know brother Hodges I'd like you to work on this point now it's some crusty 70 year old bloke mm. who, uh, um, anyway that was but I kind of enjoyed doing that um, so yeah I was doing that and I was still pioneering, although I was struggling. And I did come off, I can't remember what I came off just before I met you, Mum, I think I did. Because I, I found that it was just, I was just so unhappy that I just couldn't cope anymore. And that was kind of the first moment when I started to jettison things off, actually. Which I hadn't really considered at that point, but that was my first moment. But I was still very much a Jehovah's Witness. Um and uh, and I met your mum uh, through a relative, through a cousin of mine, and um, wasn't it at like a convention or something? No, it wasn't a convention. My cousin invited me up to um, stay, 
and a uh, different part of the country and I went up there and met Sarah who was young, beautiful, very nice but very quiet mm-hmm. but anyway we um, there's a bit of matchmaking going on to be honest and um, we both kind of liked each other but we were invited to go out for the day to Alton Towers where I got to ride on all of the um, rides yeah. which I would never normally do and neither really would like mum them. which is quite <laughs> funny so you were both just like screaming on roller coasters Probably. because it had been like this contrivance to get you out and they were like we'll uh, put them on a roller coaster that'll bring the romance uh, out no I think in the day, back in those days I think I think was Sarah fun. was quite was into, into it? it yeah but I wasn't but anyway mm-hmm. we, we did We you got on the roller coaster yeah but of course, as we've said, as as a Jehovah's Witness, it's like straight away serious. Yeah, so, so as did soon, you tell your mum and dad to like, oh, I went to the old yeah. towers. And like, oh. So as soon as you start doing that, I mean, as a group, it's perhaps slightly lower key. But as soon as we said, right, I asked if she wanted to go for a meal. So we went to a Chinese, um, proper Chinese restaurant, not a Chinese mm, takeaway. Yeah. Uh, so we went to a nice Chinese restaurant in um, Colchester. And uh, yeah, that was that was when I first first had a girlfriend. I'd never had a girlfriend ever, mm. really, up to that point. I'd had a few interest, a few bits of interest, <laughs> if you like, like a job application. <laughs> I'd been interested in one or two, and one or two had been interested in me. But that was the first time I actually had a mutual interest. Yeah, mutual interest up to you know in that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and so we started going out, but you know both completely inexperienced about a relationship again i'm not talking about anything physical i'm just talking about how to be you know a boyfriend or how to be a girlfriend so Mm. yeah that's um that's how i met mum it was through through relatives and um and then it was a bit of a long distance relationship really because i lived in peterborough and she lived in warrington and in those days there was no skype um we spoke on the phone and we wrote letters to each other yeah which is quite sweet yeah Mum's still got all the letters, I believe. She does. They've been tied up in a little ribbon <laughs> in a box. Yeah. Yeah. That was us um, kind of getting to know each other. I mean, it's quite funny now because we we talk obviously a bit more openly now about what what was going on at the time. But I was still very much into it. And I decided that I wasn't going to marry anybody mm. who wasn't at least an auxiliary pioneer. Okay. So that means so. So obs- mum had to become an auxiliary. Yeah. Pioneer. So auxiliary pioneering is when you spend sixty hours a month. Yeah. But it's a, like a an on and off thing. You don't have mm. to commit to it for a year like you do with no, pioneering. No. You could just do it for a month. And so she'd done that a few times. So as far as I was concerned, she kind of just about scraped through <laughs> the <laughs> passed the test. Oh, yeah. I think I, I'd bent the rules a little bit. Mm. Um, but yeah, I decided I'd... your personal rules. Yeah, of course, my yeah. personal rules. Yeah. But I think, um, yeah, I decided that, okay, she's spiritual enough. Because I needed a spiritual wife. Mm. Um, and um, and so, yeah, we we spent about 18 months, really, going out. And then um, I said to marry me. And we got married. Yeah. Quite quickly as well, isn't it? From the... Mm. It's not like you, witnesses don't seem to spend a long time planning the wedding, do they? Really, because it's all done at the hall, so it's not like there's lots to decide where to go. Because you'll go to the hall, won't you? And yeah, I mean, there's um, still there's depends. still lots to do. Some people do big weddings, and some don't, I suppose. 
yeah it depends on on the person i mean i think um some weddings some witness weddings are quite big and they're quite extravagant affairs mm. um ours wasn't but the the courtship as they call it um is generally quite short you don't and you like for you when you know your boyfriend you've you've been together for what, seven, years. seven years and when you're ready you'll you'll get a place together and you'll live together until you decide you can afford or you want to get married and you'll get married if you want to if you don't but the none of those decisions um for a jehovah's witness you know mm. you have to get married if you can live together yeah there is no sex before marriage so you can't live together and even if you're living together or if you're in the same house there's questions asked mm. about whether you know anything's going on um so yeah if you want to be together you've just got to get married yeah there's no there's no other way that's the well, only way i was way. speaking with someone about that and they basically said yeah well we've got to get married because obviously hint hint we can't do anything until yeah we're married and i was like okay yeah all right, right. It, but it was just a bit bizarre because it was in a setting that you wouldn't really be discussing that and just yeah. how at the forefront of a person's mind that was i was like mm. okay putting a lot of pressure on that but you know yeah. it's not thing. healthy i don't think no. i mean you know to be fair if you go back 50 years i guess that was the way um everybody did things it's just it's not in line with with the way that yeah. society works but now. i suppose like people in a sense like it was the accepted mm. behavior but a lot of people were still doing things oh yeah um, but you wouldn't get like disowned by your entire family and community if it, if no. you got found out. That's right. Um, whereas... Yeah, at the back of of every young person's mind is the fear of disfellowshipping as a witness. So if you're disfellowshipped, then it's just another word for shunning, and it is pretty brutal. You know, it, it is literally your parents just ignoring you in the street. It is your friends ignoring you, literally not even saying hello to you, not talking to you, having nothing to do with you, um, apart from what's called necessary family business. So, um, yeah, it's. I think it. That's one of the most difficult um, behaviors of the religion for me, and um, one of the most um, appalling, really. And and I think it's dangerous. It it, it isolates people um sometimes some people are quite vulnerable actually yeah um so I, I, yeah so but that's always in the back of your mind so any any misconduct you know any um any getting up to something and it doesn't just mean having sex it could it could just mean getting a bit too touchy-feely let's say yeah um these things are still considered to be unclean mm. and so you could find yourself up before a judicial committee where yeah. three elders um ask you all about your sex life which is really quite bizarre yeah yeah but that didn't happen to me because i was obviously uh, i i followed the rules yeah i'd always followed the rules and i i never wanted to do anything that that would put me in that position so um so yeah we got married at the kingdom hall um it was there was a talk we said our vows we we had a reception which was actually quite a nice reception i i still think that sort of thing is great because everybody brought food it was in a a kind of sports hall yeah um and everybody chipped in and so it wasn't particularly expensive 
um, but it was lovely. We had lots of people there. Mm-hmm. Again, we had a band, so that was nice. Um, so yeah, that that's good memories. I think on that score, that was a nice that was a nice wedding. Um, and then we moved into a house in Warrington. Yeah, you do it all in one day. So get married, move in, off you go. Well, Begin kind of, yes, indeed, yeah. So I'd, I'd lived in the house, uh, we rented, so I'd lived in there before um, we moved in. Um, and then, obviously, when when we got married, then we back, went to our house for the first time. Yeah. Um, so that we started our life together there in Warrington. So at this point, I was... I'd come off from being anything ministry or anything because I've moved from Peterborough up there. So there's a process that you go through where you have to show that you're, you know, up to the job. So um, I was, I'd started another window cleaning around in Warrington to earn a living because, of course, I had no qualifications Mm. um, and then did get a job with another witness um, treating lawns. Mm -hmm which was i won't go into that too much um but that was another example where i started to see jehovah's witnesses for who they really are Mm -hmm. and some of the behavior around that was was yeah in my view um totally wrong but anyway that's um, a different that's a different story but you're five years off timeline wise you're five years off leaving at this point I mean, is it bubbling up more, or it is it just under is. the surface? It or? definitely is. Yeah, I remember sitting in the Kingdom Hall in Warrington, feeling again that feeling of sort of tearing up because I I really don't believe it. I'm yeah. really struggling to believe it, and um, yeah, I'm, and I'm really, I'm really having difficulty. But anyway, I I got made a ministerial servant again, started to give talks. Um, became part of that community. became part of that community different congregation but same sort of stuff um did you tell anyone or like now you have this person that you're meant to trust completely mm, your wife no 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 i didn't um i didn't tell my wife at all about how i was feeling i was still trying to convince myself i'm yeah. still trying to make myself believe it mm-hmm. um this gets a bit fuzzy in my mind really in terms of where it was that I started to make changes and decisions because I remember as I said sitting in Warrington congregation thinking these things feeling really stressed and sad and Mm. confused um but I must have limped on really in Warrington because it was only when I came back to Peterborough that I started to say things so I'd started a business with my dad. Although I was living in Warrington, he was in Peterborough. We'd started a business, which was my own lawn care business. Um, and my plan was to, to live in Warrington, but travel down to Peterborough every now and again to do the work. And then I'd go back home. But that became obvious that that was just, not really no, practical and it became that that would be a better economic stream than what you had yes like because obviously there wasn't much opportunity no. in warrington and so. we started a business we, we're very serious about the business yeah. we spent a lot of money advertising we've done a lot of work trying to get people yeah. interested in, in be nice, being customers nice to just have that and have yeah. the money and hmm. be comfortable so we um so we made a decision to move down to 
Peterborough and rent a house in Peterborough, which is what we did. Um, that wasn't easy. Obviously, um, your mum leaving Warrington, um, leaving a family behind. Um, that wasn't easy, but we we knew it was the right thing to do. So we moved to Peterborough and um, rented for a year or so. And it was really during that time when I, I, I do remember having that conversation with my mum and dad. Um, obviously, I'm a grown man now. I mean, I'm a married man. Um, You're in homes, mum. Yeah, I've, actually, you just come along. So I remember saying to them, look, you know, I, I, I'm. <laughs> it's quite funny, really, because I wish I'd have said something really intelligent. But I think it was pretty pathetic what I said, really. It was mm. like, I'm a bit fed up with being a witness. <laughs> <laughs> Not fancying it. No, it's like, a bit fed up sounds like you're a bit fed up with, you know, that brand of soap or something, yeah. doesn't it? You know, but, um, yeah, I'm a bit fed up with it. <laughs> but that that's what you'd say, isn't it? You wouldn't... Well, not really. I mean, it's not... I just don't know why... I just culminate. didn't know how to say it, I suppose. Sometimes things, you just things fall out like on the phone I said have a nice time when I didn't know how to sign off on Mm. the phone sometimes the words just tumble out and you said it yeah Yeah, I didn't know how I was going to say it so that that just came out and and yeah then I I said I explained and I because by this time I'd come back to Peterborough and again had been made a ministerial servant and was doing all the things um but I came off because I thought like I can't do this anymore I don't I, I just need because I'd had I feel like I'd had this battle going on in my head for the last sort of fifteen years mm. with myself about mm. whether I really believed it or not, and I'd I'd quelled those thoughts because I wanted to believe it. I wanted to to think it was the truth. Therefore, I'd made myself believe it, but not really. Um, and I thought, Do you know what, I really need to sort this out. Mm. So my plan was. I'm going to come off from being a ministerial servant. Um, I'm not going to knock on doors. The only ministry I'm going to do is go to people that already have the magazines. Yeah. We used to call them root calls. So people that already took the magazines, I'd visit them. And there's no danger of them becoming a witness. Because as you mentioned before, unfortunately, I'd never dragged anybody in. A very mm. unsuccessful witness. Mm. Because I'd never brought anybody no. into the, the organisation. And at that point, I was glad I hadn't. But I thought, you know, I'm going to stop doing all that. And I'm just going to take some time to think about it. And do you know what? I'm going to do something which I've never allowed myself to do, which is to read books that are not Jehovah's Witness books. Yeah. Um, and so I did all, all that. I read for a year or two. I read about evolution, I read about religion, I read about philosophy. And of course I wasn't I didn't become an expert over that time, but I I, I read enough and thought about it enough to know that I did not believe it. And was that running up to the point where you said to your parents, I'm a bit fed up, or was that bef- was that That was afterwards? at the start okay. of that process, yeah. Mm. And I mean I've told you before mm. why why particularly at that moment was it was partly because I'd, I'd had this battle going on in my head for so long but it, the, the real catalyst was you I'd watched you being born and I'd held you in my arms 
um, as a baby and I thought to myself what am I going to tell her what am I going to tell her am I going to tell her this stuff as the truth Mm. when I'm not even sure if I believe it so I need to make sure I believe it before I can teach you so it was really you that was the catalyst that made me I've got to do something about this now um so that's when I made my announcement that's when I came off from being a ministerial servant that's when I stopped knocking on doors and I just gradually I read and read and read and as through that period I, I just gradually withdrew um Jehovah's Witnesses ex Jehovah's Witnesses call it fading and so that's what I did I successfully faded yeah. <laughs> which means that You didn't make a big splash. There's no big splash. There's no point where I write a letter to the congregation and say, I no longer want to be a Jehovah's Witness. There's no no going out with a bang, you know, at the meeting one night saying, this is all rubbish, you know, stop believing it. There's no me going around talking to everybody else saying, look, are you sure this is true? Because I don't think it is. You know, there's none of that. It's just me personally making a decision. Mm. I'm going to leave. So you said about how you talk to your parents yeah. but what did you say to mum because obviously at one point in time you were you were making sure that she was spiritual enough to yeah. get married to and that she was doing enough hours barely <laughs> um i would add um, she scraped through she scraped through because <laughs> mum wasn't really putting in the hours to be honest and no. um you know she did that for the sake of you wanting to get married yeah. to you um i'm sure she was well like, i'm not sure i wouldn't i'm not did, gonna, was she aware i'm not going to claim that but she thought she should because there was obviously her own parents yeah, as well. Yeah, she, she did those things before she met me. Yeah. So I'm, I'm okay. not going oh, right. to pretend she did all those things for no, me. No, no, I misunderstood. So, you know, you're like, okay, good, she's ticking said boxes. Yeah, exactly. You know, people's um, like Tinder requirements, yours was like auxiliary <laughs> seven or whatever it's called. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. So yeah. she had that and then obviously you re- you're in a different point. What did you say? Yeah, I don't remember the uh, actual conversation, but um, yeah, I, I obviously I told your mum that I had my doubts, mm-hmm. and so I told her what I was doing. And I mean, she's always been very supportive and um, you know happy to let me do whatever I sort of felt I needed to do. Um, I've kind of only recently found out that there was quite a lot of talk around that time yeah i guess to um her about what i was doing mm. naively i thought people just leave me alone to get on with it but um kind of later found out there was quite a lot of bad mouthing me mm. um but never from never from mum um no. but i think she probably had to put up with some of that mm. um she had to put up with some of it from the congregation I guess, um, but more, she decided to carry on going because I said I do remember saying to her, "Look, I, I don't want you to stop going because of me, um, and I'll, I'll support you." So I actually carried on going Dropping, to the meetings, yeah. even actually going to meetings oh, yeah. for a while to look after you as a baby, mm. help help with you, um, and then um, I decided to stop going altogether. But I would drop drop you off and pick you up again. Um, I was keen not for my decision to be forced upon her. I wanted her to to do whatever she felt was right. Um, 
and so she carried on going for a year or so and um and yeah eventually started to 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 have our own views about what's happening i kind of don't want to go into too much about how she was thinking feeling because that's hers to talk about if she wants to at some point if she ever wants to Mm. um obviously what we're doing here is we're we're talking on a podcast um which is quite a you know it's open anybody can hear it so Mm. i think i'm trying to be careful not to drag people in no i'm not saying about what she was necessarily thinking but what you were thinking in relation to yeah so i just just didn't want to force her to do or to make her do anything she didn't want to do or stop doing something she wanted to do Mm. but she came to her own decision after a year or so and so we basically we we stopped going to the meetings um and yeah but i never i never actually wrote any disassociation letter or anything like that um i know some witnesses some ex-witnesses feel that's important because in some in some uh concepts you're you know you're still part of it unless you actually break to a proper break i've never felt that personally because no. i don't really care what the congregation thinks no if, if they think choice. i'm still a member well <laughs> knock yourself out mate because mm. <laughs> i know what i am mm. um so i know i'm no longer jehovah's witness whatever yeah it's been 20 years now no, so yeah. it's a long time you ago. just um all you have to do i think is just make sure it's not on your medical file yes exactly because yeah. like uh if i get any need for blood i'd like it yes please yes that's right so yeah so we left and um and i would like to say then that life became wonderful but i think that's the start of your journey really Mm. that's really is just the beginning of a very very difficult journey for me anyway so that's part three then that we'll be going in um yeah so perhaps the next time i can talk a little bit about that next phase which in many respects i think is um the most important one because mm-hmm. that's the point where you start your life from scratch so i i generally say i was 30 when i when mm-hmm. i left i've never actually said how old i am so i was i was born in 1967 um and i left when i was about 30 ish um so yeah it's about about 20 or so years mm-hmm. since i left it's, there's not an exact point, so it's difficult. It kind of mm. gradually faded, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's a long time, and, and I've watched in interest as um, as the XJW community has become much more vocal and mm. has been able to connect through the internet, which I think is an interesting development. Maybe talk about that later or in the next um, section. Um, so yeah, so I've left at this point, and uh, maybe talk about that another time. And we'll be back with the next bit yeah. next week. Again, if you'd like to reach out um, on Twitter, that would be great. So the at what sitter. So what and then S-I-T-A. Correct. Uh, is the handle on Twitter. Um, so yeah, connect on Twitter. And if you want to talk to me about anything, then that's great. That's fine. Um, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. What Should I Think About is an Evil Sheep production. 